The 94 stocks were down. They were flat for the year. Right. And then the Fed did the surprise three cuts in, in the second half of 95, early 1996. And the stock market obviously did very well in 95 and into 96. I mean, is this more of a mid-cycle slowdown? We're going to see another 90s where you see 20% five years in a row. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. This is John Lynch, Chief Investment Strategist for LPL Financial. And this is a special day because we are going to outline our 2020 market outlook, bringing markets into focus. And with that, joined today by my good friend and colleague, Ryan Dietrich. Hello, Ryan. Hi, John. How's it going over there? Doing great. Thanks. How are you? Glad to. See, I'm doing well. Glad to see you again. You took a well-deserved break there for a few weeks, but you look strong. You look Absolutely. like you're ready to go right into 2020, uh, just better than ever. Strength of 10 men, feeling a lot better. So thank you, and it's good to be back. Well, good. Now, I know part of getting stronger is working out, but also eating and maybe eating healthy. John, did you eat healthy over Thanksgiving last week there? Uh, mass quantities. I don't know if it was healthy, but it was uh, it was a delightful time. Good. Now, how many people did you have in the Lynch household again? Yeah, Linda and I hosted 18. Wow. Uh, we stayed here in Charlotte and uh, you know, had a great time. Kids were home, cousins and family members, our son's girlfriend, daughter's boyfriend, you know, all that. So it starts adding up when you, when you <laughs> factor everybody in. No, that does. Well, that sounds exciting. Ours was a little smaller, just Emily, myself, and the three kids. We stayed in South Carolina this year, and Emily's not much of a cook. She'll be the first to admit that, but she knocked it out of the park. She made turkey and all the fixings, and her head was a little bit bigger. You know, my stomach yeah. was bigger by the time we were done eating. I think her head was a little bit bigger, but rightfully so. She did a great job uh, cooking for, for the family this past week. There's a lot of stress involved with the turkey, but... You know, 350 degrees in four hours can make up for a lot of sins. Yeah, she, you know, all the different sides, like one of them were cold, one of them was a little too hot, but she threw, that's why you have a microwave and it, it still did good. And, you know, also this weekend, John, is a big sports weekend for the Dietrich family. Oh, um, yeah. We almost hit the big Ohio uh, fan. Oh, my goodness. I think we hit the, what we call the trifecta. So Xavier University won. That was kind of expected. I'm an Ohio State boy. They beat the, that state up north. We can't say their names. So mm-hmm. That was exciting. And then the Bengals, my beloved Bengals are 0 and 11, haven't won a game in 300. 50 days, they finally took out the New York Jets. I know we've got a lot of uh, advisors and friends up in New York, so thank you, all the New York Jets fans. Well, my Bengals win one. That was nice of you. Had they been doing that poorly? I, I missed that. Well, it's either they've lost five or six games by a touchdown or less. Now, believe me, certain mm-hmm. teams find a way to lose, but right. they've got a couple of guys back on defense, a couple off it. They've played all year without their top two tackles and top guard who retired unexpectedly. So, guys are coming back, and sure enough, they're playing a little bit better, so All it's right. not a mystery. Terrific. So we'll see how it goes. One win, we'll take it. Well, so much for today's edition of Sports Center. Let's That's get right. to uh, LPL Research's Outlook 2020, bringing markets into focus. So uh, kind of like last year, we categorize it into four primary areas. Pardon the pathetic puns that we're using. That's right. Uh, relative to vision and 2020 and outlook and fuzzy and squinting and all those things you're going to see here on this report and all our presentations that we'll be giving on this and some of it laced in the report as well. So we definitely want to focus on policy, economy, rates, and the impact on fixed income and profits and their impact on on equities, both domestically and globally. So when you think about all that, an awful lot to consider. It was about a year ago this time when we were releasing the 2019 market outlook and the markets were falling out of bed. So that was kind of a humbling time to release it. But this year, markets in a much stronger position. 
What, what did you say, John? I think it was the worst week in December that we'd seen in, I don't know, decades. Literally out, literally almost hours after we released the 2020. Because it, it put it, it in context. The worst month in 10 years and the worst week in like 70 years. It was, it was that, be- our timing was great. Yeah, you know, impeccable. You know, I mean, we, we talked about it coming into December last year. S&P was actually up a couple percent. It wasn't like it was falling apart. But the rest of the globe, you look all developed, international, emerging markets were red. It right. almost was like the, you know, we can say why maybe the Fed did that ninth rate cut in December 18th, I believe is when it was. The bottom fell out. But also, hey, U.S. just kind of played catch up uh, with the rest of the globe turning red. Versus this year, we have a lot of green as we head into uh, December. You know, last year, I think a distinction we can make, and we'll talk about it yep. a little more in equities, but if you want to think about the 2019 outlook versus the 2020 outlook, a year ago, the technicals were terrible, yet we had strong conviction on the fundamentals and uh, valuation. This year, the technicals are really strong. Our conviction isn't as strong on fundamentals and valuation, particularly because valuation is getting stretched Mm -hmm. and fundamentals, until we get clarity on trade, we're still looking at five or 6% profit growth. We still think the market can grow in line with profits, but this market's you know recovered quite a bit of technical damage over the past year. And fortunately for those investors who stayed tactical and made sure they stuck with their long-term plans, uh, they're all the better off for it compared to where they were a year ago. No, that's absolutely the truth. And a year ago when the market started selling out for December, we saw you know p- people talking about recession, people talking about bear market. You know, and a lot of that was policies. Maybe let's get to the first of the four pillars we're going to talk about, John, in policy. And I'll turn it over to you in a second. But the Fed, again, did nine rate hikes into December of last year. That ninth one, you could say, was maybe a mistake looking back, market through a fit. The Fed did a pivot in early January, saying, okay, we're not going to hike rates anymore. We might even cut. Then they did three cuts so far the second half of this year. We have one more um, interest rate decision in December. All likelihood, they're just on pause. But what should we be looking for? When we talk about policies, different ways to look at it, but from the Fed on the on that side of policy, what do you think the Fed will be doing in 2020? Nothing. You there know, we go. A, a lot of analyzing. Um, you know, put a thousand PhDs to work, but mm-hmm. uh, I suspect, knowing what we know now, it looks like they're on hold. I mean, Jerome Powell has been uh, very clear in his statements that he thinks three cuts was sufficient. You know, we've talked about one percent being the new zero. Right. So, to the degree that we see less than spectacular economic growth, call it 1.75%, which is our forecast for the U.S. in 2020. Uh, it's conceivable we just stick with one and a half to 175 uh, range on the federal funds rate. If possibility for recession uh, surfaces, they take it down 50 basis points, and then 1% is the new zero. We don't think they want to go any lower than that. So, you know, we kind of have you know, headwinds and tailwinds, right? The tailwind for the market continues to be an accommodative Fed, mm-hmm. right, with 150 on the lower band for the Fed funds rate. The headwinds, whether it be the election, uh, the uncertainty associated with that, right, the uncertainty associated with the impeachment inquiry, you know, we should get clarity on Brexit, hopefully, with the British election next week, or at least a path for Brexit. And then, but you still have populism throughout Europe. You still have the, you know, up and down, uh, approval ratings that Shinzo Abe is experiencing in Japan and obviously the slower growth in China is still something to for investors to keep in mind. Uh, all good points there. You know, 
I guess the question is, you know, was this year being 2019 just a mid-cycle slowdown? You know, last year, we had, in 2018, we had 3% GDP for the first time in 13 years, and now we're looking at what GDP, maybe a tad under 2% this year, right around 2%. Right. I guess it depends how the fourth quarter shapes up for right. 2019. Mm-hmm. So clearly a slower economy, yet stocks are up, you know, as we record this, 25% for the year, and they were down last year. What are some of those similarities? Well, we've talked before, John, in the mid-90s, specifically in 94, the Fed was hiking rates. Mm -hmm. The economy was doing very well. In 94, stocks were down. They were flat for the year. Then the Fed did this surprise three cuts in the second half of 95, early 1996, and the stock market obviously did very well in 95 and into 96. I mean, is this more of a mid-cycle slowdown? We're going to see another 90s where you see 20% five years in a row, or I'm aware the answer is probably no, but what do you think? How how similar is now with the mid-90s with what the policy is doing? The mid-90s and to a degree the mid-80s, right? Mm -hmm. You also see our start a time when uh, the economy outperformed the market. Right. Fed had to act, and then the the market caught up mm-hmm. with an economy that really hadn't changed much, right? So, you know, the market clearly caught up with the economy this year. Now we're at a point where uh, policy decisions are going to have, I think, have to take the back seat on the Federal Reserve and just make, you know, be more of a monitoring stance, and then really try and get clarity on trade first and right. foremost, right? Because that really unleashes the business investment, which can strengthen productivity, which can help elongate the expansion, as we discussed many times yes. over the past year. So that's monetary policy, which is the Fed policy. There's the other part of this, which is fiscal policy, tax reform, deregulation, infrastructure, maybe. Um, you know, John, what, what what should we be on the lookout from investors' point of view that could move markets next year, 2020, from the fiscal side of things? Well, I think from a fiscal s- thing, it really comes down to trade. You know, I hate to sound right. like a broken record, but trade is kind of subduing mm-hmm. uh, the many things we're excited about over the past couple of years when you think about regulation, when you think about immediate uh, incentives for investing, immediate expensing incentives right. for businesses, uh, whether it's regulation, the lower tax rate, the repatriation, what, $750 billion has come mm-hmm. back overseas. It's probably a third on buybacks, a third on dividends and then a third on capex we'd like to see that capex uh business investment pick up a little bit because that that will really in my estimation solidify whether or not this year was the mid-cycle slowdown right right because if you get that and the, the odds are strong we can see that because we only have if for example if the market is convinced you know a, a change in party at the white house results at the end of this year, next year, you know, what does that do for the immediate expensing provisions or corporate taxes? Does that unleash, you know, a quick, a quick dose of capex so business can take advantage of those immediate expensing? Because it was only a five-year window, beginning December of seventeen, right? So. Uh, business is going to try and get as much of it in as possible, I believe, and that could help, I think, sustain the expansion. Interesting. So let's maybe move on to the next thing, the economy then, because we kind of hinted at some of this. Right. You know, as of December, I guess we're recording this on December 2nd, but as of December 1st, this cycle is 125 months old, over 10 years old without a recession. Mm -hmm. The average 10 cycles since World War II have averaged right around 61 months approximately. Mm -hmm. It's a long-winded way of saying this is a long cycle, the longest cycle growth in our country's history. But if you look at real GDP, we've gained, I'm going to say air quotes here, only 26% real GDP the past 10 and a half years. Mm -hmm. The average cycle since World War II is 25%. So John, the question I have for you as we talk about the economy, is this the longest cycle ever or is it maybe more of an average cycle, which most people don't seem to realize? 
Well, if the average cycle takes about five years and does 25%, we've done 26% over a 10-year mm -hmm. period, which really speaks to the subdued nature, the right. below-trend, new-normal-type reality uh, of this expansion. So it's because it's been slow growth mode, you know, I'm not convinced that when we have the next recession, I mean, we, you know, it's conceivable the end of this year we could slip into one if the political season becomes so rancorous, consumers and businesses just tap out and say, Let, let's just see how this one plays mm -hmm. out. If we're only growing 2% or a hair below 2%, it's really hard to have that boom-bust cycle that some headlines may portray it to be. And right. I think that's something investors need to keep in mind. If you're growing at 5 or 6% and you have recession, you really feel it. Growing at 2%, you know, you don't have that. And we, we certainly don't have the leverage today in the system that we used in 2006 and 2007, which caused the the extreme pain in 08 and 09. What's the old investment saying? It's hard to get bloody falling out of a basement window. Yeah. You know, you think about that from that point of view when you talk about the economy. Hey, maybe the Ste fact stepping that, off a curb, stepping off a curb is another one. Just watch out for that truck coming, but still stepping off a curb. Mm -hmm. But still, you know, the fact we're growing two, two and a half, maybe three percent like we did last year. So somewhere in that range could actually be a twisted way of saying this cycle can have a lot more life because Absolutely. we're not seeing the boom that we see. And we are in more of a developed country. OK, Australia has not had a recession for 27 years. You look all over Europe and China. They've gone 15 and 16 years before without a recession. Yes, the U.S. has gone 10 years, but we're more of a developed country, which means kind of slow and steady, not boom and bust like an emerging market tends to be. And those are just things to be aware of. Now, John, you, we talked about CapEx kind of being low. What's going to drive the economy next year then as we move into 2020, as we kind of have this slowdown with CapEx, but, but what's going to keep us going? A lot like this year. We have a fully employed consumer mm -hmm. that sees wages growing at 3%. And, uh, you know, today is Cyber Monday, and I, right. I saw forecasts for a 20% increase on a year-over-year -year basis. Now, historically, when we would look at traditional big box retailers, we'd get jacked up over 4% growth in retail sales, right, on a year-over-year -year basis. Now they're talking 20% on Cyber Monday type stuff. So uh, really very curious to see how the the evolution of the economy and what uh, how shopping has changed. So the consumer, again, fully employed, seeing 3% wage growth. That's a good number. Mm -hmm. It's also can be considered a great number because it's not so good that it scares the Fed. Right. The Fed typically gets scared when wages are growing 4 4 4.5%. That's when they slam on the brakes. So kind of in this little sweet spot that we think can just kind of chug along. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just have to wonder if it's election uncertainty that kind of weighs on sentiment in the latter part of this year. But even then, uh, we see fundamentals on, on the consumer, on services, on employment, on wages, corporate profits, all. And with the support of Fed, that all seems to be a pretty good backstop should we run into any difficult waters. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Cyber Monday. I, I did a I was at work today, but I did a little shopping. Don't don't yell at me too much, John. You're my boss. But I looked. My daughter wanted those AirPods by Apple. They're the rechargeable AirPods. Literally on Amazon, they're they're sold out. Like I bought them, but they said they'll ship them when they can. So that's just one small example. But I really feel again the consumer strong. And you look at some of those things. Boy, people need their AirPods. They're spending money on something out yeah, there. Well, every time I walk into your office, you're on either ESPN or Amazon, right? Not Faxet or Bloomberg. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's why I've, I've got I've got two screens, John. You just look at the wrong. Folks, screen. you should see how busy he looks when he walks when I walk into the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, hey, John, how's it going? That's right. <laughs> Speaking of which, we, we've got, hey, John. Let's we've talk got, about interest rates. Yeah, let's go to interest rates. We've got about, uh, I think, seven minutes or so. Let's go to interest mm -hmm. rates, John. I mean, so 
I think one of the biggest surprises this year is not the fact that stocks are up 20%. That's surprising, yes. But mm-hmm. the bigger surprise to me was how everyone, including Elpa Research, what it's worth, expected yields and interest rates to go higher in 2019. Right. That was obviously not the case as the 10 year went all the way down to almost 140 uh, a couple months ago. And everyone was looking for, you know, three, three and a half percent 10 year this time a year ago. What do you think? What are rates going to do this time? With the crowd being wrong last year, what, well, are we, what should we be on the lookout for? Because you know, it's such a unique period. Mm-hmm. How could there not have been inflation with a yeah. fully employed economy, right? And, uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time studying it. And whether you think about globalization, technological advances, retiring boomers, you know, there are so many factors to consider. Uh, it really is an enigma when you consider the way we were taught everything we studied. You know, you never want to say it's different this time, mm-hmm. but when the world's leading central banks artificially suppress short-term rates for a decade, it, it is a game changer. And for those reasons, we've not seen inflation. So the Fed anticipated strong growth in 2018, which is why they jacked up rates four times. Uh, three, as we discussed, would right. have been sufficient. But once inflation fell out of, continued to fall out of bed, uh, they did the three cuts. So the, the, that lack of global pricing power has really kept uh, everything subdued. So from a fixed income standpoint, we could think, A, the, the Fed is largely on hold for the bulk mm-hmm. of the year. I would have to say, place greater odds on the next move down as opposed to the next move up. And then from a fixed income standpoint, clearly, you know, as good as treasuries have been, they've been expensive for a while. So we want to have some exposure to treasuries, but really it's high quality intermediate type bonds. Uh, we still like the investment grade space. Two years ago when the Fed was raising mm-hmm. rates, we were fond of high yield over the past year when they were cutting rates. The play was more on investment grade, you know, high quality stuff. And we're, we're going to continue to deploy cash within our tactical portfolios accordingly. Now, mortgage-backed securities. I know we're going to move to yeah. stocks here, but we, we're warm yeah, good, on that group a, too, right? A good risk-reward mm-hmm. type play mm-hmm. relative to other interest rates. We're still going to be overweight okay. uh, mortgage backs as well to really kind of get as much yield as possible for our diversified portfolio. And an important note, so we're recording this. We are releasing our 2020 market outlook tomorrow on Tuesday, December 3rd. So if someone's listening to this Monday night, it's not out yet. But if you listen to it on Tuesday, lpl.com, you can go to our website. There will be right there a nice shiny version of the outlook. And you can see kind of where we're, like we said, what we think markets are doing, where we're positioning when it comes to fixed income and on equities. And John, we've got you know two or three more minutes, which we could talk equities sure. all day long. We have hinted at some of this stuff. The bull market is still alive, and how high do you think it can go next year? Still alive and well. Again, looking back where we were a year ago, mm-hmm. technicals were terrible. Fundamentals and valuation, we, were, we felt strongly about. Today, the technicals are great. Fundamentals and valuation, we have a, a couple of concerns. From a valuation standpoint, we're kind of stretched. Yep. Um, from a fundamental standpoint, we're still looking at 5 or 6% earnings growth, uh, applying an 18, 18 half type multiple on what we believe to be 5 or 6% earnings growth uh, gets us to 3250 to 3300 on the S&P by year-end 2020, which is only 5 or 6% from where we stand currently. Mm-hmm. So not as enticing as it was a year ago when you think about 23, 2400 on the S&P 500, but nonetheless, uh, we get clarity on trade. We see that business investment boost productivity, help elongate the expansion. Then I think, then I, then I get more confident, and our team gets more confident in the ability of corporate profits to increase. We're still below consensus on corporate profits, but we still think you know there's a five to six percent opportunity for diversified investors. Good, good points there. So put it in perspective, the S and P's up twenty five percent or so as we speak. But if you look back, John, the last six times the S and P gained twenty percent for the year. 
it was higher that next year all six times. If you look at the last 10 times the S&P was up 20% for the year, it was higher nine of those 10 times. The thing to note, the gains are nearly universally always lower, right? We're not going to have another, we can't say not going to compliance will yell at me. In all likelihood, we will not have another 25% year next year. But, you know, mid-single digit, maybe cracking double digit if we get some good news on trade. History would say you can usually see continued gains after Absolutely. a good There's year. Just something to be aware of if, you're, if your clients are talking. Behind the market, yeah, yeah, if your t- clients are concerned or someone listening to this said, oh, we're up a whole bunch this year. We have to we have to go down next year. Well, we could, but that's not usually how it works. Fourth year the presidential cycle typically is more of a mid-single digit type return as well. Exactly. Well, yeah, right. That's exactly. Mid-single digit. Exactly. So that's kind of consistent with our forecast. Mm-hmm. And position portfolios, we're looking at large over small, equally mm-hmm. weighting growth and value, favoring emerging over over uh, developed. And we're continuing to lead cyclical, uh, like mm-hmm. technology, like industrials, uh, not as favorable on financials anymore. Uh, looking for some opportunity, hopefully, on the healthcare space, but we have yeah. to be really mindful, again, on policy decisions. So. Good points. Well, John, I had a lot of yeah, I had a lot of fun discussing the 2020 outlook. Also, talking about my Bengals actually having a win. That's right. So I'm glad to see you back in that chair. Thank we you. missed Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Uh, Jeff kept it warm for you while you were gone, but it's it's an honor to have you back. So, John, take us home. Thanks, Jeff. You did a great job, buddy. Appreciate everything. Ryan, thank you. This is always such a big deal for us as a firm. LPL uh, Financial has a great partnership within the re- research area and our marketing and and talented creative team and. Uh, kind of put the geeky analysts with the creative marketing people and come up with a uh, always a fun and engaging report so uh, you know we've really broadened out the suite of offerings from a digital basis so we'd encourage everyone to go on lpl.com on tuesday december 3rd Mm -hmm. and access uh, most of all of that information so delighted to be a part of this great to be back with you ryan and i wish everyone a very happy holiday season a happy and healthy 2020 and uh, we will be on again next week certainly though talking about more 2020 stuff as well as year-end activity as well. So thank you, everyone. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, Please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.